Welcome to Green Talk, a podcast by Green Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Paige Miller. The Green Talk podcast can be found on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Green Talk, I will speak with Taylor Selig, the new executive director of Eggscape, about his new role, the goals of the organization, and their new fundraising campaign. And I will get an update from Crosby Devitt, CEO of Green Farmers of Ontario. First, a Green Talk news update. The provincial government included its promised $50 million in funding for the risk management program in the latest budget. This will provide support for Ontario commodity farmers in times of crisis. The budget also included amendments to the Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs Act to enable the Ontario Risk Management Program to carry forward unused funds in good production years to offset losses in future years, in alignment with an insurance-like approach. At the federal level, Grain Farmers Ontario continues to petition the government for agri-stability changes. In late October, more than 45 agriculture groups from across Canada came together to ask the Treasury Board of Canada to approve any submissions that bring the program back to an 85% trigger with no reference margin limit. The federal, provincial, territorial ministers are meeting later this month and are expected to discuss this ask. Dr. Claudia Wagner-Riddle, a researcher based out of the University of Guelph, has been awarded the 2020 IFA Borlaug Award of Excellence in Crop Nutrition. She is the second Canadian researcher to be recognized for her work in Canada and her knowledge transfer and collaborations internationally. Since 1993, the International Fertilizer Association grants the Norman Borlaug Award to a person whose research or extension work has led to significant crop nutrition advances. Wagner-Riddle has supported the continued advancement of 4R nutrient stewardship by comparing different combinations of nutrient source, rate, timing, and placement of nitrogen fertilizer on Ontario cropland. You can read more about her research in a special web feature posted to ontariograinfarmer.ca. Grain Farmers of Ontario invites all farmer members to attend our next live Grain Talk webinar taking place on November 24th at 10.30 a.m. The webinar will discuss the lease versus buy decision, what to consider when it's time for new equipment on your farm. Lance Stockberger is a featured speaker for this webinar. He is a chartered accountant and grain farmer in Saskatchewan and has been doing public speaking across Canada for the past 15 years for Farm Credit Canada. This webinar is sponsored by Farm Credit Canada, and to register, visit gfo.ca. And now, here's my conversation with Taylor Selig. Joining us on the Grain Talk podcast this week is Taylor Selig, the Executive Director of Eggscape. Welcome to the podcast, Taylor. Thank you so much, Rachel. I'm excited to be here. Now, can we start um, with just an explanation of what is Agscape? Some of our farmer members might not be familiar with that program. Definitely. So Agscape uh, is a registered charity, and we've been around for actually almost 30 years now. We'll be celebrating our 30th anniversary next year. Um, And basically, our major focus is leading agri-food education across Ontario. Um, so we do this by developing curriculum-linked programs um, that are science-based uh, to get to inform students on you know everything that's happening across the sector, the opportunities that are available to them, the innovations, 
um, and to help dispel some of those uh, you know, myths that might be out there around some of the important topics. And uh, we also do this through a number of programs. One that uh, you know listeners might have heard about is our Teacher Ambassador Program. That's our flagship program. Um, and through that program, we actually hire Ontario certified teachers on contract. Uh, and we train them in 12 different topic areas in agriculture and food. And uh, then they're able to go out into classrooms upon classroom teacher requests, free of charge, uh, and deliver lessons in each of those areas. So why is an organization like Agscape important? Definitely. That's a great question, Rachel. Um, I think that the reason that an organization like Agscape is needed and important is that you know, we've really moved away from, you know, the rural connections we used to have. Uh, we have a stat within the organization that uh, it was around the, the, you know, the turn of the 20th century um, when there were more people living rurally uh, than urban. Now, um, you know, that stat, stat is flipped on its head uh, and far more people uh, have moved to urban areas since then. Young people, uh, as well as adults, They've lost that connection to their rural roots. They don't really have an idea of, you know, the practices that go into uh, bringing their food to the grocery store uh, or the supply chain involved in that. Um, you know, they see what's available to them on the grocery shelves and don't think much more about it. But we think it's important for an organization like Agscape to be here in order to be able to tell those stories uh, and share with. Uh, young people, basically, you know, where their food is coming from and, uh, you know, why it's important to understand uh, what's involved in bringing the food to the table because, uh, you know, they're a part of the, you know, whether they see it or not, they're a part of that uh, supply chain and and that uh, food system as well. Uh, and we really want to make sure they understand that. We, we also think that it's very important that we're here because we know that there is a you know, a major skill set shortage uh, across the sector. And we want to make sure that students are aware of the diversity of opportunities in agriculture. Um, I think that when a lot of young people, uh, as well as adults, think about agriculture these days, um, they have, you know, those traditional images and they aren't aware of, you know, the technologies involved in processing um, our foods and, and uh, in really ensuring that, uh, you know, what we get on our table is healthy um, and nutritious for people. Um, they aren't involved. They aren't uh, aware of, you know, what's happening on farm uh, anymore. And they really have ideas that are uh, very traditional. Um, so we want to make sure that they're kept up to date with that. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things that we're talking about more recently uh, with COVID coming into effect this year, um, are uh, more of those those supply chain issues um, and the labor shortages are coming to the forefront. Uh, people can really see that now um, with, with some of the grocery shelves being emptied. Um, it's, it's very much in your face and I don't think that uh, that was the case before. I think people took their food for granted. I think this year gives us a real opportunity to uh, take advantage of those conversations. We're excited to be able to do that uh, and grateful to be able to uh, have the support of, you know, our agriculture and food sector partners in uh, 
being able to share that message and drive our mission to inform uh, young people about uh, all of these important topics. You were just recently promoted uh, to executive director of AgScape. So how did you end up with a career in agriculture? Can you tell us about your background and, you know, what was your journey that basically led you to AgScape? It's actually, I don't think it's uh, the, you know, kind of the traditional um, career path that you would find for a lot of people in the sector uh, in moving towards a career in agriculture. Uh, I actually, during my undergrad, I went to the University of Guelph, um, but I studied history and anthropology. Um, and subsequent to that, I uh, did my master's in international development at Dalhousie. Um, and, you know, that's where I really started to see the importance that uh, agriculture and food had, you know, globally and, the, you know, the processes involved in uh, really getting all of the uh, essentials to our table and how important that is uh, on a global and a local scale to people. Uh, when I finished up at Dalhousie, I actually started a job with uh, a non-for-profit organization, a charity called Free the Children. Um, and I was leading youth trips overseas uh, in a couple of the countries that I visited more frequently were Kenya and India, um, visiting some rural communities there and helping to uh, teach youth um, that we were bringing overseas about some of the challenges that people were facing uh, and, and building on some of those projects. While I was there, I really, you know, you could see firsthand um, some of the issues of food scarcity um, and uh, the need for food security globally. Uh, again, as I was saying earlier, it really um, changes your perspective when you're able to see these things firsthand. I think what that really did was showed me, gave me an opportunity to see a, a new direction I wanted to take. That's kind of how uh, I, I landed on AgScape, what was then Ontario Agri-Food Education. Uh, looking for a way to understand how we could, I still wanted to work with youth, but I wanted to understand how we could talk about how important agriculture and food are to our daily lives and something that we can't take for granted. And, you know, the people across the sector, how important they are to ensuring, you know, our continued existence as a society. We don't see those issues of food scarcity um, as readily in Canada, even though they are still challenged, there are still challenges here. Um, uh, and I think we need to, you know, really bring those uh, ideas to the forefront so that students understand just how important the sector is. Um, so, you know, in having those experiences, I ended up at AgScape, uh, and uh, I've been with AgScape for just over six years now. Uh, we were a small organization, so wearing a variety of hats, and now I'm excited to take on the, the role of executive director and grateful for the opportunity. I really see the role as just continuing to support our agriculture and food sector uh, stakeholders in, uh, you know, bringing their messages to uh, young people. I, it, it's a role of service, and I want to make sure I emphasize that every time I talk to people, uh, I, I want to be that person who's helping to build partnerships with, uh, you know, the agriculture and food sector, with the education sector, and beyond, so that our message continues. What plans do you have for the future of Eggscape? I know you haven't been in the role long, but as you said, you've been with the organization for six years now. So do you have a sense of, of what direction you want to go? I'm really excited to be 
digitalization at this time because I think we've seen some real momentum over the past couple of years. Uh, in 2019, our Future Ambassador Program, which I mentioned, is a flagship program. With that program, we tripled our lesson delivery. Over 600 lessons delivered to classrooms across the province. We were able to reach nearly 15,000 students. And I think we need to continue that momentum. That's a big priority for me uh, at the organization. You know, while we may have reached over 600 classrooms, there were uh, nearly 800 requests that we received for lessons. So there's still a gap that we need to make sure we're filling there. Um, and that comes with organizational sustainability. So continuing to, uh, you know, build on uh, what we're able to deliver through uh, through the, the you know the support that we're grateful to receive from the agriculture and food sector, as well as finding innovative ways for us to outreach the classroom. I think what COVID has really shown us this past year is that we also need to be innovative in our delivery. And uh, what we're what we've really been trying to do this past year is move a lot of our programs to virtual, so that we have that adaptability be able to deliver, you know, either in person, which is an ideal situation, or virtually. Um, you know, with COVID at this moment, we're delivering all of our programming virtually, uh, and we were able to pivot quickly in order to do that over the summer. First, with our virtual camp experience, uh, which we, you know, we adapted to in March, right after we knew that uh, education would be moving to home-based learning. Uh, and we reached over 600 parents and teachers through that program and over 4,000 students. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, over the summer, we uh, we made the move to uh, push our teacher ambassador program and uh, some of our other programs, including our career competition, uh, to virtual. So we're excited to be able to offer those online uh, in new and interactive ways with activities. You know that uh, we might not be able to have done it in person so there's some exciting things it might seem like a challenge this year but uh, we've taken it as an opportunity and a, a year to be innovative we really think that uh, this is the way uh, we're going to have to be continuing to work for the future it also provides us with the opportunity you know for classrooms we may not have been able to reach due to geography in the past uh, you know, being able to have these lessons available online really allows us to reach out uh, in new ways uh, to new areas of the province. So going virtual, has that uh, impacted the number of classrooms that you're able to reach? Like, has it increased as opposed to decreased them? Definitely this year. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to uh, make any year-end predictions, but we have seen an increase uh, so far in the number of lessons that we're able to deliver because of uh, that virtual availability. Teachers are looking for this kind of uh, lesson content this year. That, you know, they're, they're not able to have um, people come into the classroom, not able to do as many field trips and things like that. So uh, providing the opportunity for their students to experience uh, some of these topics virtually has really been uh, beneficial for us and uh, beneficial for teachers as well. It's exactly what uh, what education is looking for this year. It's the way that a lot of organizations are moving. And we're, I'm just grateful that, that we have a team at AgScape that's so, uh, so able to be agile and, and move forward with uh, these changes so quickly 
What is your sense in terms of how the teacher ambassadors are adapting to the virtual program? Is it is it difficult for them to make that connection with the students? You know, it's a different sort of vibe when you're in person with, with, with children. So ha have you gotten a sense so far how that interaction is and, and what it's like this year? Yes, uh, definitely. So, you know, I can totally relate to what you're saying there in terms of having that in-person connection. Uh, it, it certainly makes a, a difference. But uh, the feedback that we've been receiving from teachers and students uh, and we've really made an emphasis on ensuring that we're, uh, you know, we're reaching out to teachers and students to see um, what kind of impact their lessons are having. Is that our lessons are very interactive, that students are taking part in them uh, in a way that uh, they haven't been in other aspects of their classes. So I'm thinking of one. Uh, one piece of qualitative feedback we received from a teacher more recently, which said, uh, you know, my students aren't usually able to focus in on the lessons for the entire lesson in this virtual space. But uh, with your teacher ambassador coming into the classroom, everyone was excited and interacting. And uh, it's just great to be able to see that feedback. So, you know, while I think that uh, it's certainly different from the in-person opportunity, I think it also offers you know, a different chance for interaction. Um, and uh, there's, you know, there's different learning styles in the classroom too. So uh, some students may not feel as easy in an in-person setting to ask questions, whereas, you know, in an online environment, when they have the opportunity either to ask verbally or, you know, in a chat feature, it gives the opportunity for students who may not necessarily in the past to interact with as much as do so. So I think that, you know, well, there are some, you know, potential drawbacks without when you're not in person, there are some real opportunities there to connect. We sometimes hear from our farmer members who are parents, and there might be an instance in their classroom with their child where either they feel that the incorrect information was presented or perhaps a biased view of agriculture was presented in their classroom. How can our farmers who are parents handle that type of a situation? And, and are there resources that they can recommend or their teachers through Agscape that can then help with a better, more accurate understanding of agriculture in Ontario? You know, the first thing I want to let parents know is that please, please, please feel free to reach out to uh, myself or, you know, any of our team at Agscape. All of our contact information is available on our website at agscape.ca uh, in the staff section. And we'd be happy to talk with you about that situation and figure out ways we might be able to work together to um, bring you know, more, more of that balance to you into the classroom. If parents want to you know, take a step further uh, in being proactive, we do also have uh, lesson plans over a hundred of them available in our uh, resource section on our website. It says educator resources, but you can sign up as anyone uh, across the province uh, and download those resources for free. Um, but we certainly encourage you to reach out to us because we'd be excited to have those conversations and we've certainly heard them before. And I want you to know as well that uh, you know we're taking a proactive approach to getting out into those classrooms, uh, to meeting teachers, uh, where we're able to at conferences and now virtual conferences, doing CD sessions with educators. 
uh, to ensure that they're equipped with the knowledge. Uh, because a lot of the time it is just the educator, in addition to the students, may not have received that background information that they need to be able to share a topic. If farmers want to be involved more in the classroom, is there a way that they can do that through Eggscape, or is that something that maybe they could do directly with their child's school? What's your advice to farmers who want to be more involved in, in educating kids about agriculture? Uh, farmers would like to be more involved in educating their uh, kids and you know other, other students about agriculture. A great way to do that is uh, this past year, Eggscape uh, partnered up with Farm and Food Care. Uh, to put on uh, Farm to Facebook live events. It really works well in, you know, in this new virtual environment as well, um, where we're connecting with producers across the province. And uh, the farmer will give a tour of their you know, production, uh, their, talk about what they do every day, um, share a little bit about their career and how they impact uh, you know, the agriculture and food system more generally. Um, and we bring classrooms onto that Facebook live feed. Uh, you know, it's also interested public, uh, and they're able to ask questions directly to that farmer. So that's a great way to to be involved um, with what we're doing. Uh, in addition to that, uh, another area we're always looking for volunteers for is uh, our Think Ag Career Competition. So with those, whether you're a producer, whether you're you know working somewhere else along the supply chain if you'd like to get involved we're looking for volunteers both career stations as a part of our think Ag career competition and basically what happens there is um, you know you'll run an activity and talk a little bit again about uh, your career uh, and what you do in the sector um, and then you'll you'll run that activity uh, which will help to assess the soft and hard skills of the students who are taking part in the career competition uh, and then grade them. Um, and then they get to know a little bit more about what you do and uh, you know, the impact you're having. And one other way, you know, a very easy way to get involved in, you know, in helping this kind of outreach is to share uh, with your child's teacher about AgScape so that they, they're aware of the organization. Uh, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier on in our conversation, all of our resources and programs are available for free to educators. Um, so we're excited to get out there and share that information. Uh, and we're grateful to have, you know, farmers and anyone along the supply chain sharing our organization with teachers. That, that's how word of mouth is our most effective way of, of getting out there. Now, you're reaching out currently to everybody who works in food and agriculture with your latest fundraising campaign that was launched this week. Can you tell us a bit more about the campaign and what your goal is? We're reaching out, as you mentioned, Rachel, we're reaching out now to really help to build sustainability in our organization. Uh, you know, every year we have a year-end campaign. This year, we're focusing on uh, helping to cultivate a better tomorrow. Um, and we have a video that accompanies that uh, theme of our campaign and basically what the video does is uh, helps to demonstrate you know how childish misconceptions about agriculture uh, can turn into uh, adult misunderstanding my favorite uh, is the brown cows make chocolate milk <laughs> yes yes and you know i'm sure uh, a lot of your listeners have probably heard that before we hear that a lot in classrooms um, and you know we might think it's funny but uh, it's 
if we're not getting in there into the classroom to educate on those topics, um, then, you know, students turn into adults and they don't have that information. And we've heard those messages from adults too. That's not just a childish misconception. Um, but uh, yeah, so with our campaign, we're basically looking to uh, raise more funds to support our organization and uh, continuing our outreach. Um, and we're excited to be able to do that. Um, and there's a number of different levels you can get involved at. Uh, you know, for as little as ten dollars, you can help us to reach out to students with virtual activities. And you know, it goes up from there. And we have various. Uh, levels of support uh, where you can really see what type of impact uh, your contributions would be having with our programming. Uh, we want to make sure that you feel a connection to what's happening in the classroom, and I think that uh, this campaign will really help to do that. Uh, and uh, it's, what I want to emphasize here is, you know, as a team, we go out and we share this knowledge and these lessons. But none of this could happen without, you know, our supporters across the province. So we are grateful for them, and we look forward to being able to talk with them about, you know, the impact that they're having through our programming. Uh, and uh, we'd be grateful for the support for that campaign in particular to help us continue on in 2021. It's been uh, an interesting year for everyone. Um, and we're just excited to be able to continue to share the message that we have been for nearly 30 years now. Is funding more of a challenge this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic, or do you foresee it being a bit more of a challenge to um, get the funds that you're looking for with this campaign? Yes, this year has been a bit of a challenge for all organizations, you know, Agscape included. Uh, and we're just working to make sure that we can continue to deliver the programs at the level that we do and being um, respectful of the changes that everyone's experiencing in their life. So it is a little bit more of a challenge to bring in the, you know, the funding that uh, we're looking for, but it does make us even more grateful for what we are able to receive from the supporters who have been a part of our organization who are just joining our organization. Every dollar that we're receiving, we're making sure that it, it counts and it's having an impact. And so I just want to emphasize again that how grateful we are to have the partners that we do and, um, you know, to be a part of this sector because uh, what I can say is having been at the organization for over the past six years, we've really been able to, been able to see the community um, that the agriculture and food industry has, uh, the support that they are able to provide uh, when they come together. Now, the media release that I saw about the fundraising campaign, I think had an interesting quote. It said, everyone who works in agri-food benefits from Ontarians who are well-educated in the realities of modern agriculture. Why do you say that? Why we're saying that is we really see um, that it's important for us to have an educated public as a sector. Um, when we have an educated public, um, they really understand, you know, where their food is coming from. And the importance of that is um, they can start to make the connections um, and not rely so much on, you know, some of the uh, misinformation that's out there. 
um, it's very easy to uh, share information over social media and uh, alternative forms right now. But uh, we want to be there to make sure that they understand the science and that it's accurate. Um, and when people start to understand that, um, they start to become, you know, ed an educated public, and um, they start to be informed about the importance of things such as buying locally, um, the importance of the practices involved in ensuring that we do have a healthy food system and a healthy food supply. Um, it, I we started this conversation talking about uh, how important I've seen food security being um, globally, and it's and it's something that's harder. It's been harder for us to see as a nation because it seems it's so easy for us to have access to food. Um, but I think that uh, what the education does is it really helps people to understand um, just how much work goes into producing that food and the importance of practices that they might have, you know, put to the side otherwise. What do you think is the biggest myth about modern agriculture? We've talked a little bit about, you know, um, how people think that chocolate milk comes from brown cows, but I mean, that's obvious. That's maybe a smaller misconception, but what is maybe the, the biggest myth or misunderstanding about modern agriculture? Definitely. So I think one of the biggest myths uh, I'm going to touch on two points here, is that uh, agriculture is very traditional uh, and, you know, we don't take the environment into account, when in fact, it's, you know, exactly the opposite, far from the truth. Agriculture is innovative. We're always working to find new technologies in order to make our practices more environmentally sustainable. Farmers are stewards of the land. The land is one of their most important resources, and we need to be out there sharing that with students so that they can understand the, why uh, certain practices are put into place in order to, you know, continue their continue our shared existence. Um, and you know, in showing that uh, innovation that's a part of the industry and that sustainability that's built in, I think we can also really highlight the importance of uh, career opportunities in the sector that stretch to all corners of the curriculum so that students are aware of the possibilities they can move forward with in their career path. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us about Eggscape and all the great work that you're doing and how our farmer members can, you know, help with that uh, education of the kids in their lives or their kids in their communities. Um, so thank you again, Taylor, for joining us. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Rachel. I'm excited to be here and uh, really excited to be able to connect with you. Joining us today on the podcast for an update on what's going on with Grain Farmers of Ontario is CEO Crosby Devitt. Welcome to the podcast, Crosby. Hi, Paige. It's great to be here. We're happy to have you. So last time we spoke, Harvest was just getting started with soybeans. And now from what I'm seeing in the fields and on Twitter is that some are well underway with corn. Can you provide a little bit of an update about harvest and how it's going across Ontario? Yeah, in the last month, farmers uh, across the province have made a huge amount of progress on harvest. From what we know, soybean harvest is essentially wrapped up. Uh, there's likely to be a few fields here or there, but a huge percentage of the crop has been harvested and in pretty good uh, field conditions, which is great. 
And looking at corn, uh, similar situation, still a considerable amount of corn left to harvest in the province, but there's a huge amount that's been uh, been taken off the fields and and the weather has actually cooperated for the most part this last couple of weeks. So it's it's been busy for farmers and it's really, uh, it's really encouraging and nice that uh, they can get in, get the crop out and uh, leave those fields in good conditions. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to see. So speaking of busy, uh, you yourself have been quite busy with a, a whole host of meetings. Um, Grain Farmers of Ontario held a, a board meeting this week. Do you think you could provide our listeners with some insight of some of the key issues that were talked about? Certainly, yeah. So the, the board of directors uh, had their meeting. They hadn't met uh, since September uh, due to due to harvest. So there was lots of lots to cover. Uh, one of the things I did want to mention is that they're continuing to work on the strategic plan. Uh, updates for GFO and uh, the previous strategic plan is about four years old and it was time to uh, take a hard look at that, uh, identify what's changed, what's new and uh, renew that plan. And so over the last uh, couple of of, uh, board meetings, there's been discussion about what should change and what uh, can be updated. But also uh, there was a uh, member survey that was done in August uh, that provided really good insight directly from farmers uh, on what they want to see from their grain farmers of Ontario organization. And so, so pretty exciting to work through uh, some of that at the board meeting this, this week. And I know there's a, another big meeting coming up uh, that kind of affects all Ontario's farmers. Um, the federal, territorial and provincial meeting is happening in a couple of weeks. Uh, what exactly is grain farmers hoping to see and out of that meeting? Yes, good point, Paige. So uh, there are uh, there is a very important meeting coming up uh, towards the end of November here. Um, as as you know, uh, Grain Farmers of Ontario has been pushing hard over the last number of months, but also the number of years uh, to have business risk management programs be responsive and helpful uh, when farmers need them. And uh, specifically, uh, a change to the Agri Stability Program. Uh, to make it more responsive would be a change to the trigger to 85% from 70 where it is today and a re- removal of the reference margin limiting. And so uh, those sound like kind of technicalities, but they're extremely important uh, to grain farmers to have that program actually uh, respond when it's needed. And so that's been the focus of a lot of work uh, and many, many discussions with government and uh industry uh, across the across the country and uh, this meeting coming up where uh, Minister Bebo federally will be meeting with all of the provincial uh, and territorial uh, ministers is the opportunity for them to make that change and uh, that's what we're hoping to see uh, and uh, I will mention that there's probably never been as much alignment among the farm organizations across commodities and across the country than there is now on something like this. And uh, there was just recently a letter uh, written and signed on by Grain Farmers of Ontario, but probably about 50 other farm organizations uh, stating the need for this change to happen uh, coming up here at, at this meeting and, and soon. So so we're, uh, we're quite hopeful, um, you know, as an organization and as farmers across the country, uh, we feel we've done everything we can to uh, communicate that need, come up with a, a fair and modest request that the government can do. 
and uh, we're hopeful that they take action here. Yeah, it's uh, it it sounds like all the hard work on the ad and and everything is is coming together to finally kind of hopefully get what we're asking for and provide a little bit more for mm -hmm. all those involved. Yeah, and I think just on that, I mean, one of the things that you know we we come back to is that these programs are important when they're needed, right? They're only triggered uh, to support farmers when they have a downturn in the market or in their crops or or their livestock if they're a livestock producer and so so that's the backstop that's needed and and you know when we look around the world um and you know it doesn't matter who the president of the united states is uh the trend is to more protectionism the trend is to put up trade barriers and as a trading nation um it's extremely important that we break down those barriers but when we can't uh, that we don't leave sectors uh, hanging on their own and, and suffering. So last week, Crosby, some interesting news out of the Ontario government regarding the budget. Can you provide some information on how that impacts uh, grain farmers across Ontario? Yes, last week, the Ontario government uh, presented their budget and uh, included in that budget was uh, recognition and uh, and an item related to the risk management program. And uh, that's very important for a number of sectors, including the grain, uh, grain sector in Ontario. And that, that change uh, to increase uh, the fund by $50 million uh, was announced in July, but it was included in this budget, which was very significant. Um, and there was a, one other detail around that, which their intent is to be able to carry unused funds forward into subsequent years. So um, just briefly, that risk management program only triggers a payment when prices are low and, and farmers are in need of that. Um, and so if all of the dollars aren't used in one year, say there's uh, decent prices that year, then what we're what they're intending to do is be able to carry that over uh, into future years. So, so those both the dollars and the change are a very positive thing for uh, for farmers across this province. So, so uh, very happy to see uh, Premier Ford and, and Minister Hardiman uh, take take the lead on that and, and make something real happen for farmers. So with it being November, uh, generally around this time, an announcement gets made uh, and we put a little post on the website about our district meetings. Do you wanna kind of give a little bit of insight about what's changed this year and what we're doing? Yes, I'd love to. Uh, so yes, like everything else in the world, uh, it's going to be different this year. And so we are going to virtual district meetings uh, throughout January. So we have 15 districts across the province uh, that each have uh, delegates and directors and members. And so we will be having 15 uh, district meetings, all virtual, and uh, all the details on the dates and the times um, are, are now available on the gfo.ca website. So uh, what you can even, uh, pre-register which we encourage uh folks to do because then you'll you know we can send you a reminder and the, the link to how to get onto the meeting ahead of time um, but we're also um changing up the format a little bit this year um because it's virtual so we'll have uh some kind of new format there but also we're also we will still be electing delegates and new directors so as you may know delegates um, are elected at the district meetings uh, by the membership, and we're going to be doing that online this year. And one change that we request is that 
to make it smoother on the district actual meeting that if at all possible that uh, farmers can go in and pre-nominate uh, delegates and so then we'll start out with a list of, of farmers that are interested but uh, there will still be the opportunity to uh, to be nominated at the meeting but uh, if at all possible uh, we'd like to see that happen ahead of time one thing that we do know there's going to be some uh, interesting prizes this year as well so for anybody that uh, any farmer member that attends their their virtual meeting they'll be entered into into a prize and uh, we'll uh, have some fun and uh, hopefully uh, there'll be some lucky farmers that win some prizes yeah I think everything will go smoothly with uh, with the zoom meetings and and being virtual this year and hopefully we get a, a great turnout and we'll be sure to add all of that information and make sure it's easily accessible on the website and communicate it out as well very good Crosby, thank you so much for joining me today. It was definitely great catching up with you and hearing about what's going on within the organization. Thanks for having me, Paige. Take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Taylor Selig and Crosby Devitt. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.